Welcome to the Men's Global Livestream. We're in part two of a series called Where the Light Is. Now, to get our thoughts thinking in the right direction, I want you to think of this word. It's the word lost. All right. Got it? I was reading a story about a hiker named Amanda Eller. She lives in Hawaii. She's 35 years old. She's a physical therapist. Shows up at a trailhead, parks her car. Doesn't even take a water bottle with her because she thinks that this hike is going to be so short. And that three-mile hike turned into a 17-day fight for her life. As she got off the trail and her gut instinct told her to go in a certain direction. And instead of coming back to where her car was, she confidently moved on and on and on and on and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into a 2,000 acre dense jungle forest. And she made this comment after her rescue on day 17. She said, you know, the whole time I was going deeper into the jungle, even though I thought I was going back to where I came from. Man, being lost is such a bad feeling. It's not just a word about someone or su or something. It's a it's a sense and it's a pervading fear that kind of creeps in that we might not get back to where we're going or where we want to go. A hiker like Amanda loses her sense of direction and after reading the story, her hope really began to fade. Or maybe a man loses someone he loves. Maybe it's a spouse who used to keep him stable and steady and hopeful. And now, maybe that's some of you. That person's missing. And your confidence about the future you envisioned is vaporized, right? We lose our job. A job we liked. A job we saw a future in. And then all of a sudden, maybe the company gets bought or something happens in the organization and you're out and you feel lost because you thought you were going to be there for a long time. You know, when we feel lost, it's disorienting and it fills us with fear. Now, when we feel lost, God looks at us and he sees how because of the way earth is broken, unplanned things, unpredictable things happen, he sees us, and he sees that we kind of have a tendency sometimes to choose on our own. Like that hiker, Amanda, she knew that trail, but she chose to go off on an unknown path. He sees us, and he sees our tendency and the reality that we do get lost, and we need guidance when we find ourselves in that place. And we all lose our way or at least sometime in our journey in life, lose our sense of direction. And what, what's God's solution? All right? His solution is a clear, well-lighted path that leads us back to life if we've gone off trail, or to life, more life, if we're on the right path. And he loves to do it by giving us his voice, or his word, or the Bible. Goodbye, fear, and sense of disorientation, and hello, confidence, right? So whether you feel lost today, 
All right, maybe you're a little disillusioned and or disoriented because of the circumstances in your life, or you simply want to stay on the path uh, to health in God and health in your relationships with people. Uh, God wants you confident in Him through His Word. So if you have the downloaded notes, let's take a look at them. We're going to do two things today. We're going to get God's mind, again, on being where the light is, all right? And then secondly, we're going to look at the next practical way that we can get in the light and stay in the light, which is where God wants us to be. Let's go back to the top of the downloaded notes, John chapter 8, verse 12. This is part of our theme verse for the whole series. Jesus is talking, and he says, Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We unpacked that in part one. Let's look at the next verse, Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? Don't you love that? When we talk about Jesus wanting his men being where the light is, what are we talking about? Well, we're talking about three things. Let's write this down. Number one, we're talking about a close relationship. He says, whoever follows me, all right? That meant we're going to do life together. Meant that in Jesus' day, means it right now. You want to walk in the light? Be in the light? Jesus is talking about a close relationship with him. Secondly, he's talking about a clear future. He says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Okay, what that means is eternal life. It means that the light comes on. You know who you are. You know where you came from. You know where you're going. You've answered the meaning of life. You have the light, the one true light of life through a close relationship with Jesus. Do you see how the two are connected? You have a close relationship with Jesus. You have a very clear future, all right? Number three, and it's related, you have a confident spirit. Think about it. You have a relationship with Jesus, ongoing, all right? You have a future with Jesus forever, all right? And knowing who you are and knowing where you're going, the result is confidence, right? Close relationship, clear future, and a confident spirit. But you know, that confident spirit, that close relationship, that clear future, it comes from walking in the light, following Jesus, right? Talks about that confidence in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8, says this, but let us, okay, who live in the light, be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of salvation. So there's a complete picture. Uh, God's mind on being where the light is. It's a close relationship. We have a clear future. We have a confident spirit. Why? Because we know who we are. We know, we know where we're going, and that gives us an inner confidence as we walk this life. So like last time in, in part one, we're going to look at now um, some key factors. All right, last, last time we looked at the key factor of of being where the light is, it's connected to understanding God's character, right? 
that God is light and in him there is no darkness. You know, just knowing that about God, that he doesn't blend light and dark, all right? He doesn't blend good and evil. He doesn't blend, you know, his ways with cultural ways, right? Knowing that in him there is zero darkness, man, that helps us to just stay in the light, knowing him because we have a relationship with him, we have a future with him. He is light, no darkness. That helps us to stay in the light. God doesn't blend, and neither should we. We shouldn't blend the ways of God with the ways of man. We shouldn't blend light and dark. We shouldn't blend good and evil. Why? Because God is light. Now, today, in part two, we want to talk about the second critical factor of being where the light is, and that's having a strong relationship with God's word. Look at what it says in Psalm 119, 105. It says this, By your words, I can see where I'm going. They throw a beam of light on my dark path. Have you ever been in a situation where a beam of light gets thrown on where you're headed? So cool. But it's power. It's hope. It's direction. It's clarity. That's what God's word is. And if you want to stay in God's word, you have to recognize that it lights your way. Okay, so what we're going to do for the rest of our time is we're going to unpack how we need to think about God's word, because when we have a strong relationship with God's word, right, we're where the light is, right? Number one, the way we have to think about it is we must assign God's word the highest value. I want us to read out of Psalm 19, verses 7 through 11, one of my favorite passages of the Bible, it says this, the instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward to those who obey them. So we must assign the, the highest value to God's word. And we see the psalmist doing exactly that. He sees clearly the value. You know, my friend Rudy Stein in South Africa, he, he manages a small 6,000-person uh, workforce at the Tautona Mine. It's the largest deep shaft gold mine in the world. And in shaft three, in the Tautona Mines, it goes 12,672 feet all the way down. That's 2.4 miles. It takes one hour to get down to the rock face. Right? Last year, that shaft in Rudy's mine at the Tautona mine, they pulled out $376 million worth of gold from one shaft. And you know, when I got taken to South Africa and Rudy was explaining this to me, I just thought to myself, boy, the lengths and the depths that people are willing to go and how that is determined by the perceived value in the opportunity. 
So question for you, as we've just heard, that God's word is more precious than gold, much pure gold. What, in your mind, is the perceived value of God's word in your life? Is it, is it just sitting there? Is it going on mind? Is it untapped? Now, we would think men are fools if they have a, they're sitting on a gold mine, and yet they're not tapping it. They're not mining it. You know what God's saying to us men? He's saying, you know what? If you perceive my word for what it is, that it's more precious than anything, you're going to mine it, you're going to tap it, you're going to dig deep into God's word. So number one, we must assign God's word the highest value. Second, I must give permission and permanence to God's word. Look at what it says in Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And I want, I want to focus on the very first word. It's a small word, and the word is let. All right? You know what that communicates? That living in light of God's word is a choice. We let God's word dwell in us. But that word means we, we're choosing. All right, we're gonna, we're gonna give it permission. We're gonna allow it. We're gonna make a choice. We're gonna let it in. We let it in with our eyes. We let it in with our heart. We let it in with our mind. And we let it sink deep as we let it in with our eyes and we let it in with our mind and we let it take the elevator down to the heart. We got to give it permission, all right? A lot of times, uh, men don't want to let God's word into their life because they don't want to have to respond to God's word. And I know I'm talking to some of you out there where your relationship with this book is not so much that you don't perceive its value. You just don't want to be confronted. I know that's me many times. Sometimes I just don't want to be confronted because God's word is truth, right? God speaks truth to us in his love because he loves us too much to leave us where we are. And sometimes we love where we are more than where God wants to take us to grow and become like Christ. So we got to give permission, but then it says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Versus what? Poorly dwell. You know, when you richly dwell in God's word, it means that it gets your time. Right? You have a rich relationship with someone because you spend time with that person. It's rich. It's not poor. It's deep. It's not shallow. Right? And God's calling us into this new perspective toward his word where we give it permission, right, to speak into us and to make us better, but we also let it permanently stay in our lives. You know, in the, in the information age, we have uh, a barrage and a, an unlimited queue of information coming back to us. 
You know, it's, it's constantly coming at us. And you know what? It's impermanent. And a lot of times we treat social media posts and the news and, you know, a sports score or whatever, we treat God's word like that. But God's word was never intended to go in and go out. It's intended to go in and remain permanently inside of you. So not only do we assign God's word the highest value, we give it permission and permanence. Third, I must accept God's word to experience God's word. And this goes to volition. It's one thing to take it in intellectually and mentally, right? But now we're talking about accepting it practically and experientially. Look at what it says in 1 Thessalonians 2.13 about people properly receiving and accepting the word of God. It says this, and we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you. Do you see the juxtaposition of receiving the word of God as it is and then the word of God going to work? All right. You accepted the word of God as it is. It's not human stuff. All right. This is God talking. And then when you accepted it as God's word, he's talking to me. Then it went to work inside of you. How do you receive and accept God's word? Do you receive it as it is? Just let the plain text say what it says, which is always the best way to read your Bible. All right. That's what I like to say when I'm giving a message. I just I like to say what it says. And that's why we have the downloaded notes, because the Bible is a way better communicator than I am. But I do communicate truth as I read the Bible. And that's what this passage is talking about. You had the apostles sharing the word of God and people receiving it, not as words from men. That's what's going on right this second. I'm using words, and I'm a man. But the question is, are you receiving these words that are coming from me as it is, which is the word of God himself? I'm just the pipe. I'm just the vessel. So we have to accept God's word to experience God's word. And I don't want you to miss, again, that connective tissue, right? Where when we receive God's word as it is, it's from him, all right? with all authority, all power, and all validity, and we let it in, we accept it, we receive it into our lives, that's when it goes to work. Versus what? When we reject it actively, just give it the Heisman, just say, I don't want to hear it. Or we reject it passively, which is, yeah, I heard it, but I'm not going to cooperate with it. Right? There are some of us here that do that. I know there's some of you listening, you know, you kind of, it's kind of a pick and choose thing where you kind of pick the parts you like and then the parts of your life you don't want to change. You just, it's not an active rebellion. It's a passive rebellion against God's word. And God's spirit is saying right now, can't do that. Not if you're a man of God, because the man of God accepts God's word to experience God's work. Fourth, I must make Jesus's words my first point of reference. You notice the position there? My first point of reference. 
because there are lots of points of reference. When you go to make a choice, you can reference yourself, you can reference cable news, you can reference your friends, you can reference your wife, you can reference cultural trends, you can reference magazines, <laughs> you can reference so many things to serve as a basis for making a choice. But for the man of God, the son of God is your first point of reference. Okay? Jesus said as much in Matthew chapter 7. He said this, Therefore, everyone, keyword, who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came down, steams, streams rose, winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority. Check that out. Why do we give the words of Jesus priority and make it our first reference? Because they have authority. So you have two kinds of guys that Jesus describes, two kinds of lives. You've got hearers and practicers. That's the first group. Then you have hearers minus the practice. Okay, Which one are you today? Just let Jesus' words talk to you. Are you hearing Jesus' words? Are they your first point of reference? And are you practicing what Jesus says as a priority because he has authority? Or are you hearing Jesus' words, even these right now, and you're already in your head just blowing them off? You see, the purpose of revelation when Jesus speaks is not, is not to blow it off. The purpose of revelation is application. That's why Jesus would say things like, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say, right? He says stuff, revelation, do what he says, application. And that's really the spiritual battle, right? You want to be where the light is? You hear and you apply, revelation and application. All right, let's look at the next thing, next perspective on God's word that keeps us in the light. I must grow down into God's word to grow up as a believer. Did you catch that? I got to grow down and into God's word to grow up as a believer. All right. Look at what it says here in, in Psalm 1. It said, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in its season, and whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. Right? So you have a picture of a tree. You ever seen an x-ray of a tree above ground, and then the, the x-ray of the tree below the ground. There's the part you see and the part that you don't see. And then you see, you know, the trees, all these roots going down. Now, when 
a tree that's mature and strong, um, when you see that up top, you also see a lot below the surface, right? And when trees are little, the first years of a tree, there's very little upward growth in the first years of a tree that grows tall. Want to know why? Because the main root below the surface, the tap root that comes out of the seed, has to extend. In fact, there's some tap roots that go 300 feet deep, all right? And then there's lateral roots that go out to the side. Why? Because the below the ground rooting has to be able to nourish and support the above ground growth. And that's really the point that you want to see here. The person who is rooted or meditating, spending time in God's word, the Bible says they're like that tree that's planted all right, by streams of water, which means it has an extensive root system. So that extensive root system that's it's getting nourished and getting supported, right? That's what's creating and supporting what's going on up top, right? It's yielding fruit, leaf doesn't wither, and there's prospering, prospering going on. And you know, when I when I think about ministering to men, I've met hundreds, maybe thousands, who have it upside down. They feel like, you know, it's the activity of the Christian life. You know, it's it's being at church. It's talking Christian. It's being at Bible studies. It's it's serving other people. And they have this kind of robust at least image of t- above ground Christian life. But you know what? The rooting below is shallow. And you know what happens? At some point when the unplanned circumstances of life or the interruptions of life beat against that tree, it goes like this. And and then the man is disillusioned and disoriented and like, what happened? And, um, you know, they lose faith or hope and it, it's hard to come back. Well, that's because they're not rooted in God's word, all right? So that's the next way we have to think. We want to be where the light is, got to assign a high value. You want to be where the light is, give permission and permanence to God's word. You want to be where the light is, right? You got to accept God's word to experience God's word. And then if you want to be where the light is, you got to grow down to grow up, all right? Look at what it says in Luke 8, 13, all right? Jesus talks about this. He says, the seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while. Then they fall away when they face temptation. Do you see how the connection between collapse and rooting or being under pressure and rooting? God wants us rooted in his word. So my question to you is, what is your relationship with God's word? That's what this is going toward. You want to be where the light is? You got to be rooted and grow down in order to grow up. Lastly, when it relates to God's word and being where the light is, I must speak God's word to openly conquer temptation. And I got to speak word God's word openly to conquer temptation. I want to look at a principle and then see it lived out in Jesus's life. Here's the principle about speaking God's word to conquer temptation. Psalm 37 verses 30 and 31 says this, the mouths of the righteous utter wisdom and their tongues speak what is just. 
Listen, the law of God is in their hearts and their feet do not slip. Again, when you read scripture, look at the juxtaposition of truth and result. The truth is, when you have the law of God in your heart, you slip less. All right? Now, typically in faith vernacular or faith lexicon, slipping means giving in to temptation or falling backwards. You're making progress, but then you slip and, and fall backwards. We call it backsliding. Okay, we, we backslid in. We're, we're not moving forward. See the connection between actually speaking God's word, right, versus keeping it in your head. If you were to have a, a, a video camera, if there was a, like a unplugged with Kenny Luck, you'd see me in my car when I'm walking around, when nobody's around. And if you didn't know that I was speaking God's word, you might think that I need to check into a psychiatric facility because you're talking to yourself. That's what you say, like, why is he talking to himself? You know what? But no, I'm conquering temptation. You know, I thoughts come into my brain that I know are dark, all right? They're sinful. They're evil. It's the liar. So what do I have to do to not take those in? I got to raise a shield of faith, and I got to speak a word and thrust it into the heart of that lie. In fact, that's what we see Jesus do. We see him speak God's word openly to conquer temptation. Good enough for him, good enough for us. Let's watch him do it. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I'll give you all their authority and splendor. It's been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Wow. You watch him do exactly what it says in Psalm 37, verses 30 and 31. He's got, he's got like a magazine of ammunition. He's got God's word in there, right? The enemy comes at him. The enemy fires a lie at him, which is in the form of a suggestion, right? And boom, he recognizes it, all right? Boom! Or in a more medieval way, and he sticks truth right in the chest of that lie. When was the last time you did that? When was the last time maybe you were driving in your car and you see a nice shaped person of the opposite sex? And maybe you got one of these on. And you want to honor God and you want to honor wife, uh, your wife. And when was the last time, you know, you, you reacted and said, you know, what Jesus said? You, you quote you know, God's word, you know, where maybe Jesus says, you know, and the two will become one, and what God has joined together, let no man separate. Or, you know, maybe you you have another situation, you know, where you can feel the anger coming up, and you know it's, it's not going to end well if you get angry, and the lie is, you know what, you need to let him have it, all right? And then, God's word comes into your mind. The anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Guys, I'm just saying, you can just 
use what Jesus said. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. That's good enough, good enough for him. Worked with Satan, had to go. But we have to speak God's word openly, all right? Try it the next time you get tempted. Memorize Matthew 5, 28. Memorize Matthew 22, 37 with related to your mind and being married and honoring God with your eyes and your mind, right? And honoring, honoring your wife. Um, but whatever the issue is, whatever the issue that, that Satan's trying to get us to, to, to choose his way and respond positively to his suggestion, there is a truth in God's word. Think about it however you want to think about it. It's just loading a magazine, put the clip in, or just put that, that sword here, right? But if you don't have God's word in your heart, right? If, you're, if your magazine is empty, if, you're, if there's no sword in the scabbard, you got nothing to fight with. So that's why it's so important, man of God, that you, whatever you're struggling with, maybe it's lust, porn, fantasy, anger, addiction, you go get a word from the Lord and you speak it today. Put it on a three by five card, put it on the mirror, memorize it. Now we have possession and permission and permanence and acceptance. Man, now the word of God's gonna go to work and guess what? You're ready to go. You're ready to thrust, all right? Now, the big idea here, as we talk about being where the light is, means we got to remember who God is. That's last week. This week, being where the light is, is we got to have a strong relationship with God's word, right? The big idea here, write this down, living life in the light means living in God's word, all right? Now, you know what I'm saying. I'm not saying, oh gosh, we got to, you know, we got to got to make a big Bible and we got to get in it. No, I'm not talking about that. I mean, we're talking about every, where I am, how I think, what I say, how I relate to people. You know, God's got it for every issue in life. There's a word of life from this book, all right? And we got to know it. We got to know who God is. We got to know what God says. And when you know who, who God is and what he says, and you're applying what he models and who he is, and then you're applying what he says, you're in the light. Amen. All right, this is just part two. We got three more parts to go. All right, so God is equipping us with the right thinking and the right resources to stay in the light and never get lost or walk in darkness. Look at what it says in Psalm 119, 130. We'll wrap up our study with this and then pray. Uh, if you see it on the screen, just read it out loud. Let's speak the word of God. Ready? The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Amen and amen. Let's go to God in prayer right now. Jesus, thank you that you are our light and our salvation. We want a close relationship with you. Thank you that we have a clear future with you. And those two realities, God, give us just a confident spirit in this moment, Lord. We want more closeness, Lord. We want more clarity. We want to feel our identity, and we want more confidence. So help us now, Lord. Help us to get in the light of your word. Help us to stay in the light of your word. Help us to live in the light of your word, God. 
Help us to give it the value it deserves. Help us to dig deep because it's more precious than gold. Help us to receive it, God, right now. Help us to accept it. Help us to, to give it permission and permanence to transform us in any way that you want. Lord, we don't, we want, we don't want to be like that tree with, with shallow roots, Lord, with a lot going on up top, but poor rooting down below, Lord. Help us to get rooted, dig deep, and grow down deep into your word so that we can have the nourishment and support of our above-ground life, Lord, so we can bear a lot of fruit. So when the pressure and heat comes, we stand. When the winds blow, we don't get toppled over, Lord. And then, God, I pray for every man listening to the sound of my voice. God, I pray that you would transform them from hearers and internalizers of your word to speakers of your word, Lord, where you would make them effective with this offensive weapon of God, Lord, when they hear that liar make a suggestion or a rationalization to blend light and dark, I pray that a word of God would come out of their mouth confidently into that situation, Lord, that you've called them into every relationship, every temptation, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for the sword of your spirit. Thank you that it's our sword of light, which helps us stay on the path and fight evil and darkness. Thank you, God. Fill us with your spirit and help us apply today's message. In Jesus' name, and God's men said, amen and amen. Well, it's been great to be with you for this, this time. Make sure and tell a friend. You can even uh, go online on the Everyman app. You can, if you liked this study, if you liked part one, share it with another brother, man. I mean, we're out there, we're battling. Man, we need, boom. We need someone to throw us a weapon, right? And this is the word of God that will help them get the victory. God bless.